Hello, bonjour, salam, hola. Welcome to episode 6 of Teacher Talks. I think you can guess, but today's episode we're going to be discussing English language learners. So, I have a friend at Teachers College who's becoming an English teacher, and she has a lot of experience working with English language learners of all ages. Her name is Luna. Welcome, Luna. Hi, Fatima. Thank you for having me here. So, I'm just going to start ahead with the questions. Um, what experience do you have teaching English language learners? So, I grew up in Jane and Finch. Um, my entire neighborhood growing up was full of ELL learners. I lived in a building, a rental building, with my family, and um, my um my mom actually was in contact with a lot of them and we grew up in canada like i came here when i was three but um my neighbors didn't they came later on so like they all had like different languages and like different levels of of english proficiency and then so i was already familiar with that and then growing up i started to volunteer and tutor um kids who were new to canada or who who weren't as proficient in english so i have i think a total of about like I would say five and a half to six years of experience working with with ELLs and a lot of the kids I tutor so I moved around from like Toronto to Tobacook to Brampton to North Brampton to East Brampton so I'm familiar with like the different parts of um the diff- different parts of like different cities and how like socioeconomic statuses work and where where you can go around to find people from different backgrounds i don't know if that make, it makes any sense but um yeah and so i tutored for like five years and i dealt with so many different kids thing is i also i feel like i'm ranting but like i feel like i also used to call them esl learners but then over time i began to see that that that's not like the right the right word to call them they themselves don't even refer to themselves as esl most of the time they'll just say things like oh i'm here to learn english or like can you help me with this and that's about it and i just call them by their name there's not even like a there was never even a mention of like them saying oh yeah at my private school or at my school whatever i'm an esl learner it was just this is my name this is who i am oh that's interesting because uh when i was growing up i was in esl and I only learned actually just recently when coming into teacher's college, everyone kept saying ELL. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, it was new. It was new. Um, what struggles do different age groups face? It, it depends on the individual. Um, a lot of the younger ones, I would say, don't really know what's going on. Like they themselves don't consider themselves to be ESL learners. Because I remember when I came to Canada, I was three. I did not know English at all, but I wasn't placed in ESL. I would go to school and speak in Urdu to my teachers, to my friends, and like nobody understood what I was saying. But like they had no idea what I was saying. But the, I was just a part of the classroom, and no one recommended ESL, so that was like completely new to me. But then I did know, however, that I was different. Like there was this sense of like like alienation, like oh maybe. I'm not like everybody else. Like my friends would say, "Hey, do you want like a carrot?" and I wouldn't know what they were saying, so I'd say no, just cuz I didn't know what it was. Or like we would we would do cooking in kindergarten. So, um our um uh, my kindergarten teacher, she used to make cinnamon french toast or something. Then a cinnamon french toast and then she would ask me like, "Do you want it?" and I would say, "I have no idea what that is. Is it roti?" Like I don't know. <laughs> so That's a question. Yeah. Like, but I feel like with the younger ones, there's a sense of innocence like not completely knowing what um what's going on but when you get older i think that's when you begin to actually see um the alienation more and like when i worked with um like 
because I tutor usually kids from high school, so like seven to twelve is my age range for tutoring. Um, they they have the sense of like like insecurity when they're talking to me because they know like I'm their English tutor, so if they're asking me questions like instead of saying it out loud, they tend to like write it down or like just be like um like this is what I need help with and like minimal word usage. The the struggles vary. But I would say the older that the students get, the more they begin to like self-actualize with their with their circumstances. Mm-hmm. When it comes to ELL learners, um, I think emotional supports are like the number one thing you can do for them. So instead of starting off with talking about their academic life and talking about where they're going wrong, I think giving them mental and emotional support is is um more necessary because i know when i was growing up i wanted that and nobody gave that to me like as a as a person who's new to canada who had no idea what was going on with the language barrier nobody asked me oh hey um you know like are you doing okay like you know like are you are you feeling like you know different or or, or out of place i didn't have that and even the kids that i do talk to like i think i'm not sure because i'm not even in the like an appropriate person to ask about this but they do have academic supports i think it's more the the mental supports that they're lacking it seems like they're being uh, assessed mostly on like is their english improving is is that getting better and the process of it might be kind of draining and aspects of like how you move through the world and how people view you that's not really something that might be at the forefront it's more so like how how is your english getting better i guess so there are many people in the GTA who will never speak English fluently. Do you think that's a problem? I don't think that's a problem. It's it's harmful to place English as, you know, like like the like the peak of knowledge. Like if you know English, if you know all these writers, if you know the, if you know the literary canon, suddenly you're like this like super smart person. Like like that's what being an intellectual means, right? And even when I was in university, that's what I always assumed that okay, I have to know all the classics, I have to know the entire canon to be deemed um, intellectual compared to my peers or to compared to others and having that um, minority identity I felt that even more amplified like I had to like show my my smarts and all of that right but I don't think that um, that it's a problem if somebody doesn't know how to speak English because if you think about it in essence they know another language uh, I've noticed many English learners of similar backgrounds tend to like clump together or stay, stick together uh, do you think English language learners of like different backgrounds can work together uh, effectively. So again, it has to do with that emotional aspect that we were talking about earlier, right? More so than um, their actual skills and academics. I think the number one thing, again, is their comfort level, um, their emotional faculties, how they're feeling on the inside, right? So I think it's it's okay to do that, mm-hmm. to, to um, find people who are like you, who speak your native language, right. yeah. to sort of like, like, you know, hold on to that, that right. part of you that's not present in the society, right? Yeah, and a lot of these learners, when they come from different countries, right, they lose that part of themselves. So to find that part again here in the Western world, that's that's kind of special, right? So I do, but I do also think that they can work together. Um, although there are differences, um, like there's there's a lot of similarities in that difference, if that makes sense. I remember in my like my current practicum placement, my AT actually ran a newcomers welcoming club. And so they designed, not a curriculum, but they designed, like, activities and lessons and, like, little mini get-togethers for kids who are new to the country. And then they would bring their parents 
and they would just talk to each other even though they were from different backgrounds so like um she told me how there was one girl from colombia who came another person from china we had a student from vietnam um what do you think is the best way to learn english that i think implies that the person wants to learn english right um so if you want to learn English, I, I would say reading. Reading is what got me into learning English and literature. Reading any genre, anything that you're interested in. Right? It doesn't have to be a classic literary novel. It could be graphic, you know, graphic text. It could be websites. It could be games, video games. Um, so many things. I think our definition of literacy really needs to be tweaked to what we what we think of as literacy, what we think of as English, right? Because um, we encounter English in so many ways in our everyday lives, but the assumption is that it has to be something concrete and profound like a like a book like a literary textbook or or something right but i don't think so i think apps help us out i think technology helps us out um like newspapers magazines there's just so many like even conversations daily conversations i would say is another really really important way to like to open up like your language barriers and to learn english but um, yeah, so that's if only if the person, again, implying that they want to learn it. If they don't want to learn it, they're being forced. I don't think I can speak on that. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's a best way there. But if, they're, if they want to, you know, like, like break past that language barrier, then reading and conversation. I think dialogue is the most important thing. Uh, how do first generation children tend to view their parents who are English language learners? Okay, I'll be honest. I always was embarrassed by my parents. Like I was so embarrassed growing up, and I when I look back, I feel so bad about it. Like why was I embarrassed? But even in terms of like school meetings or talking to my teacher, I would just rather them not come. <laughs> Thing is, my dad was a better English speaker than my mom, and so I tended to disassociate myself from her, which is really sad. And it's it's something that um that I have been dealing with you know internally and like just like mentally with myself Mm -hmm. um yeah there's a lot of guilt associated with that but tending to feel insecure about your parents background and knowing that um that you're different from them Mm -hmm. different quote-unquote there's a sense of shame there's a sense of 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 embarrassment of humility of again being alienated because your parents feel look look and speak a certain way yeah, I had that experience too. Like, I always remember distinctly in my old neighborhood, um, I call my mom like Ade or Ade John. And um, I was embarrassed to call my mom to look at me while I was swinging so high on the swing. So it just like it conjures up memories of the past. Um, Even uh, food, like the, the food we ate, like if I brought like curry to school or like chicken and rice i would tell i would say something different like they'd be like oh what are you eating and i'd say oh you know it's like uh i would make up a word like i heard the word casserole so i'd say it's a casserole even though it's not a casserole <laughs> <laughs> or like having a drink um so like the you're the middle eastern drink ruosa no, just like, like the the drink you drink in ramazan like yeah, the the, the yeah it's like pink like the pink you put in water so I remember I would bring that to school and people would be like, oh, what are you drinking? And I'd say it's cranberry juice, even though it's not cranberry <laughs> juice. So even that, like, you know, like changing your parts of your culture, changing your name, changing your identity just to fit in. Wow. And again, it's all because of humiliation, feeling like you're being humiliated.
that's so interesting how like even children at a young age know how to fit in like they know how to change things just to fit in that's amazing um so for english language learner learning children how do they face canadian schools so speaking from experience um again it's that sense of unfamiliar um, unfamiliarity not knowing where their place actually is you know i would say that the ell experience is is very synonymous with just the overall minority experience in schools because i felt the same way even though i was not placed in ell i was not recognized as an ell student i still had teachers talk down to me and ask me questions like oh you know um did you understand this completely or you know um do you need like a buddy to like help you read this and it's like i was i was an avid reader i read like like five books a week and it's like i don't don't need your help you know that was my mentality i was like there's like this sense of like um like resentment a little bit in me like a little bit of anger that like why am i being treated like i'm stupid you know but um i think that's one um but i would say that again different students have different experiences it all depends on their environment their upbringing how comfortable they are speaking up a lot of them are not comfortable in speaking up so they won't word what they what's, what's on their mind right and there's a tendency to go along with what their teacher wants of them so instead of doing what they think is right they'll think about um what does the teacher actually want me to do let me just do that do you think it's important to know more than one language i think it definitely gives you leverage um and again it goes back to that acid-based learning and acid-based approach if you do have a cultural background in which um you you do identify with a different language I think I find it very sad that um, uh, if it's lost, you know, if it's lost, I I find that to be um, really sad. I think if you speak a different language, your parents speak a different language, the the thought of trying to hold on to it is is a beautiful thing. And I I think that in that sense, then it is important to know your language. But then again, there are people who um, who don't who don't identify with that part of them or who may think that that part of the identity makes them uncomfortable for various other reasons, right? So again, it's all related. It has a lot to do with intersectionality, actually, which is something um, that I'm researching on right now. It's never one thing. Like, it's never one thing that um, that that bothers people. It's always a bunch of different things, like layers and layers of, 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 of categories which kind of define who we are, right? So... Um, you can have people who are very comfortable with the language that they, that they speak or who want to know it, but then on the other side, you have people who want to disassociate with that part of them because of other, you know, um, other things that happen in their life emotionally. I think in our culture, it's also been, the, I see a pattern of things seeping through schools and going into the workplace too. So for example, like if you know French, it's it suddenly like boosts you in like, you know, like the work sphere and like the economy and it's like, why that you know what i mean so again it's very political it's so politicized it's so again intersectionality plays a whole like a huge role in that what advice would you give to english language uh learner teachers i would tell them to be familiar with intersectionality i would say um understand and just know that your students are more than just what you perceive them to be and what they may present themselves as 
um, students are much different than what they appear on the outside. There's a lot of misconceptions um, attached to their demeanors and their dispositions and the way they present themselves. But on the inside, there can be something completely different going on, right? So just knowing their um, their identity, meaning, and ident- again, identity is a loaded word too, right? There's different aspects to identity. Um, their class, race, culture, religion, gender, all plays a role. So putting them into a box of just, oh, this person is an ELL learner, does not do justice to who they are overall, right? There's always an overarching, um, like, background element to to students, to every student, actually. They don't even have to be your little learners, right? So just knowing that, that, that term, being familiar with intersectionality, I think is super, super important. Perfect. And then what do you do to support English language learning students? I always try to establish a really positive relationship with them. Even the students that I tutor, I try to get to know them really well, get to know their families. If they have siblings who um, who are waiting for them outside, what I do is I usually call them in too and then talk to them and like just get to know them better so that they know that I'm not just their tutor, I'm not just their teacher, I can also be your friend, right? And when you, when you build that relationship, they begin to open up and unravel themselves to you. So if they if they really need help with something, instead of just coming to you in an academic sense, they'll start saying things like, well, my teacher sees me as this and I don't like this in the class. And there's this kid who does this to me or I feel like I feel different in this this sense of the class or this different subject. Right. The thing is that it's not entirely academic, but at the same time it is. Right. So when you help them unpack that part of their of their identity, you, it, it makes its way into their academic life. So if you're teaching an ELL student English, um, I think just have a conversation with them, sort of dialogue with them, ask them how they are, um, be their friend, and then delve into the, the, the mechanics of it. Like, oh, yeah, this is how you do a five paragraph essay, which again, like in the big scheme of things, is not entirely as important as getting to know who the student actually is, right? I think like that's a good pedagogical approach as well like in terms of teaching any student you need to build rapport because if uh, you can have a scenario where like the students resent you but in the end they still end up uh, very skilled in something but creating that uh, community and environment of respect and rapport I think um, it doesn't mean you have to be super duper like their best friend and chummy or anything like that but uh, as long as you build a good relationship then i think they put a little bit more effort into their work and they want to do well as well i completely agree also i think there's this um like when 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 i say get to know your students there's usually um like the same like few things that teachers do where it's like you know being really friendly to them being really nice to them like you said being buddy buddy with them but it's more than that it's not just about putting on a facade of kindness right right? Um, you should never have to feel like you're forcing yourself to be kind to somebody, right? I think it should just come naturally. So just understanding their human condition, understanding where they come from, their backgrounds, just being like a genuine figure in their lives. Alrighty then. So this marks the end of episode six, English language learners. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thank you so much to Luna for letting me interview you. Bye, Fatima. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to listening to this podcast. Please check it out if you don't already listen to her. It's amazing. I didn't just pay her. (laughs) Okay, bye, guys. See you.